Welcome to episode four of the Descend podcast at Mountain View Community Church. We take the Sunday sermons and descend into the journey of our weeks to share the love of Christ with those around us. We pray this podcast is an encouragement to you and a reminder of the goodness of God throughout your week. I'm Hannah Carnifix, Communications Director here at Mountain View, and this week we have the Aaron LaDuke and Dave Young, Operations Director. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> Are you excited? Yeah, well, as I was telling you, I mean, this is this is a dream come true. <laughs> I'm I'm a Descend super fan. Yeah, you started the fan club. Yeah, I, uh, I've listened to all of the podcasts. Well, except for the one that was posted this morning, I guess, so. Yeah, but all of them. I'll listen to it right after this, yeah. Okay, great, love that, <laughs> love that for you. We're glad you're here. Glad you're here, Dave. So glad you're here. Are you ready for the fun question? No, I'm not, because I'm terrible at these sorts of things. But yeah, let's Aaron's do it. ready for the fun question. I'm always ready. Okay, hypothetically, you don't play the lottery, but you win the lottery. What's the first thing you buy? You're winning like $5 million. What do you buy? Do you want me to go, Dave? And it can be practical. It's not like, like you're not paying the mortgage of your house. Yep. You're like buying something fun. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. I would immediately call a sprinkler company and have them come replace my sprinkler system. Mm. <laughs> mm. The least that practical kind of feels answer. like an adult answer that it's, you can't give. It's kind no, of adult, but it's below this. Much. This is a splurge for me. Okay. Because I, I do a lot of stuff around our house. I like. I often don't mind. Maybe I don't like home projects, but I don't mind them. Um, and uh, and yet irrigation the irrigation system for our lawn the bane of your existence drives me crazy mm -hmm. i don't like doing it i don't really know how to do it mm -hmm. um and so i would i would i would splurge i would have somebody come in and just trick it out and make it totally where you don't have to think about anything ever again it just yep. your lawn looks amazing yeah, I mean, I don't even actually care about the lawn. I just want the sprinklers to spray yeah. properly. You don't even have grass. Like, it just yeah. sprays I mean, our kids kill our grass, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but dope sprinkler system. <laughs> Sweet sprinkler system, man. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Good. That's cool. what I would do. It's good. I, I mean, might that, buy another car, too. Yeah, for, okay. Yeah, for myself so that Lily can have mine. Mm. Yep. That's a kind answer. It's gross that Lily's that age. It's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> Dave? Yeah, well, I mean, that answer makes me think I'd replace all the windows in my house, but I still don't think that's what Hannah was going for here. But um, I also said a car. What kind of car? Probably another Kia. That's a fun Ferrari or maybe anything, a nice something Kia. really, yeah, really crazy. Know. Make it the uh, nice package. Yeah. I get that. I nice get. I mean, package. I hear you. My dream car. It would be like a Honda Accord, <laughs> like hybrid, you know? Okay. That would be okay. sweet. Yeah. Uh, I'd say a full electric, but I don't know like anything about that. Do you have to like install something in your house and it mm -hmm. overwhelms me and okay. therefore I don't know, but I don't know. But I mean, some fun answer would be like, I don't know, a cool book. <laughs> That's not a funny answer. Never not, mind. I take it back. Not I take a it funny back. answer, um, but that's we'll okay. Go. If that's your funny answer, count it. I do. You know, I'm in the middle of a book series, and it's 14 books long, mm -hmm. and I've only bought four of them. Okay. So I still have 10 books to go. That's that true. Five million would would go a long way. It would really help you get, get the, the nice of version books. of those books, hardcover. Oh, first edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are funny because I would like take a really bougie trip. Like where? Like, 
I don't, somewhere in Europe and like stay in Ooh. crazy nice places or something. Yeah. If I didn't need anything practical, if it was just you get five million to do something fun with, yeah, I would blow my budget on nice hotels and good food. That sounds great, That's actually. Too. I want to change my answer. Can I? Yeah, I'm with Dave. I want. I want to go on your trip. I always thought those like Viking river cruises. You mm. know, where you see the commercials when you're watching Downton Abbey. Yeah. I always thought those would be fun. Do that, Dave. You got five million dollars. You can do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's okay, do good. that. Good. <laughs> okay. Now that we got the fun, kind of adulting, practical answers out of the way, let's talk about the sermon. Okay. You preached, Aaron, so give us a quick recap and maybe explain why we chose the Redeemed series for Advent. Okay. What was the thought process behind that? Well, the the thought, I, there's this is not a unique thought to us. The, the, the series is, um, we're looking at the stories of four of the five women that are listed in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. So Tamar, Rahab, um, Bathsheba and Mary. We're skipping Ruth because we preached Ruth recently. Um, I think this idea came to me originally from Nick um, Sestola. And I think, I don't I don't know where he'd heard it, but I thought it was a compelling idea to kind of dig into some of those stories. And um, and it is, it is pretty fascinating that there are women listed in this genealogy. And so um, the ways that they, their, their lives kind of point to Christ and just diving into that. So uh, this week we did Tamar uh, and her stories in Genesis 38. It's really the only time that she's mentioned in the Old Testament, except for I think in one other genealogy in one of the Chronicles or Kings, I can't remember. Um, and she's not listed that much in the New Testament either, apart from Matthew chapter one. So this is really the bulk of where she comes into the biblical narrative. And um, <clears throat> so we we talked through her story um, and and uh, Judah is one of the 12 sons of Jacob. Um, and Tamar marries his oldest son. Judah has kind of moved to Canaan away from his family. Um, and in doing so, disobeyed, kind of is living disobediently to the Lord, marries a Canaanite woman, has three sons. Um, Tamar marries his oldest son, who the Lord strikes dead because he's wicked. Uh, she's then given to his uh next youngest brother onan who the lord also strikes dead because he's wicked um and judah's youngest son shella shela uh shela i don't know which of those is the correct pronunciation but um is too young to be married and so uh judah sends tamar back to her father's house tells her to basically wait it out and uh, at a certain point she realizes he's not going to give her to his next son, which is his duty, uh, according to the custom of that society. And, and so she kind of moves to action to get him to do what he's supposed to do. She, uh, he's going up to, um, to kind of party with the sheep, with the shepherds. And, uh, she places herself at the side of the road, uh, dressed like a prostitute. He propositions her and he, uh, offers her a young goat that he doesn't have on him. And so as kind of a, a pledge of that, uh, she asks that he give her his signet and his staff and the cord that attaches the two, which is kind of like his ID. Um, so they go into the tent together. Um, she gets pregnant by him. She finds out, he finds out later that um, she's pregnant, uh, not knowing that she was, she's pregnant by him. And, uh, 
she uh he he sentences her to be killed by burning uh he she then sends him the cord and the signet and the staff asking him to identify whose these are and he knows that they are his and that this is all kind of his doing so um he then kind of turns and he says that she's more righteous than i am uh and then she has twins by him perez and zara so it's kind of a kind of a brutal tale uh yeah very brutal <laughs> yeah and so we looked at uh you know kind of two two things that come from that one is that uh the the kind of connecting this to the advent theme of hope um first like the aim is the point of hope whatever comes in the end is the point uh and it's it can be dangerous of us for us to assume that the journey along the way to that end is going to be as rewarding um, as that end. Um, and so our hope is in Christ, placing our hope in him, who's at the kind of the end of this narrative because she's of his line. Um, and the journey along the way, though, also forms us. It shapes us into the type of people that God calls us to be. And uh, and so as the people of God, I think one of the main points of this narrative is, is that our hope is not in you know, temporal circumstances or, or justice or anything like that, but it's in, in the ultimate redemption that comes through Christ. Yeah. Um, so. yeah it's good. Yeah. Did this do anything for you guys personally this week? Did it make you think about certain things in your own life or bring up new points that you're like, huh, never thought about that before? Yeah. I mean, it made me think, gosh, the holiday movie just writes itself with this story. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, that over this story is just this overwhelming sense of hopelessness in Tamar's life. And, and I think we've all been there of just maybe not to the depths that she was, but those situations in life where it's just like, man, there feels like no way out. And it feels like the only outcome I can foresee in this is terrible. And so what, what is next? Where's, what am I hoping for? You know, what was, what was Tamar hoping for in this scenario? Like she had played it out, planned these things out because it was her only hope out of her her situation it felt like and um yeah it's it's hard yeah Yeah, it's it's uh have you heard the term pyrrhic victory no so it's like a it's a term that i think is used for warfare when it's like you win the battle but it comes at a great cost like a ton of people died Mm -hmm. to that end that's kind of what i feel like tamar experienced here like she did get what she you know, in a sense, what is justice? And she, there is like glimmers of redemption uh, in her life, but um, at what cost? I mean, just a really challenging story to get through. And um, one of the things that, you know, I didn't talk about on Sunday, but I, I certainly had in mind is the end of Genesis when um, Joseph is restored, his, his brothers are restored to Joseph, including Judah. And he, you know, the Genesis 50, 20, I think is a great way to understand almost all biblical suffering where Joseph says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good and for the salvation of many people even today. Um, and so certainly that that was helpful for me. I mean, it helped me to, to frame 
suffering rightly. I mean, in a sense, suffering uh, is a long game, and yet there's comfort for us mm-hmm. in it now. Yeah. I think as well. This is a, a lot of what was on my mind. Yeah. And just thinking about people in the body that have been going through it recently, I think was trying to give hope mm-hmm. in those moments. Yeah. yeah. How about for you? Yeah. yeah, I think I just, I mean, being in Genesis and I skip over the genealogies mm-hmm. like you talked about. Yeah. And so I never had really thought about Tamar's story and the impact that it has in the lineage of Jesus. But um yeah, I think it it felt hard to get to the end. And as you we were even reading it on Sunday, I was like, okay, bummer. Like, <laughs> yeah. what what do we do from yeah. there? You know, like besides the suffering, what what good came out of it? And just the fact that Tamar didn't get to see any of the benefit, like maybe the only benefit of her story is that she produced sons that then yep. – Jesus came from, you know, and that feels like a really, I think it would have been, that would have been a benefit to her in the moment too. Yeah, I mean, she she has lineage, she has, you know, safety and protection and family and all that stuff. That's pretty important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's like that, I don't know, that just feels like such a discouraging thing for us whenever we're in the midst of suffering. It's like, we literally never know what the Lord is doing. And that feels really hard. And selfishly as humans, I'm like, I want to know. I want to know what what the Lord has from yeah, this, and yeah. the fact that we don't get to. And I wonder stuff. too, like Abraham received this enormous promise from God, and he was Judah's grandfather, mm-hmm. great grandfather, great grandfather. Yep. And it's like that's not that long, you know. No. Like if if you'd received a huge promise, your great grandfather received this promise. Like that's something that's still pretty fresh in your family history. Mm-hmm. And so you would assume his father had told, you know, him about this. And I don't know how much Tamar knew about it at the time, but I, I, I would imagine that as this story unfolds and, and she is brought into the fold of of this family, that she is being told about this enormous promise from God yeah. given to them and will then have this this hope through you know her kids or her family at least her new family and 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 that's like that's incredible i think yeah i i hope that that was the case in her story Mm -hmm. yeah you know and and we don't know i mean it seems like it would be pretty evident that like judah kind of made a big turn in his life at that point but we don't know for sure kind of like how she understood the rest of her life from mm-hmm. that point on. And she was still probably pretty young, mm-hmm. even when she had the the twins. So the the one thing that, that was crazy to me was thinking about, um, it doesn't make any sense to me, apart from the sovereignty of God, that that, that chapter is even in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Be- because, like, you know, I think traditionally people would say that, like, Moses composed Genesis, kind of from the, the oral tradition and... Um, like, why would he include this story of Judah? Because, you know, Judah is given the blessing at the end from Jacob near the end of Genesis. But beyond that, it was interesting to me that, like, there would have been a choice to preserve the line of Judah and not the line of, mm-hmm. you know, other people by telling uh, of, of the other 12 brothers, like, Judah is the one that's chosen. And it's crazy to me that, like, 
Moses didn't know that he was tracing the lineage of Jesus, yeah. the future Messiah. Um, and yet it's, it's there by God's sovereign hand. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Um, okay. Thinking about Tamar a little bit more. Um, I mean, she very clearly took matters into her own hands and the, she probably was not from the time she married the first brother was probably not thinking, Hmm, I'm probably going to be with their dad, my father-in-law mm-hmm. at the end of this story, you know, like that, yeah. that was not her expectation. Um, so how do we take that piece of her story of waiting and sitting and suffering and changing expectations and put that into our own lives? Like how do we find the balance between waiting on the Lord and waiting on his mm-hmm. plan and also using the brain that he has given us and acting? Does that make sense? So kind of the question is like, what should Tamar have done? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. What would you have done if you were Tamar? Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting because there there are certainly biblical principles about um, changing your circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I think about like when Paul goes to, he goes, if you're a slave and you have the opportunity to, to stop or to get out of slavery, mm-hmm. you should take it. Um, like you should you should seek to better your position if it's within your capacity, but at the same time, you know, that comes alongside a command to uh, slaves to be like, be content, trust the Lord, be faithful, yeah. work hard, mm-hmm. you know, um, be, yeah, be a faithful slave or servant to your master. Like, um, so that, yeah, there, there is a line somewhere. And your question is, where is it? Well, how do we find that? Yeah. 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 Um, even in this season, like Advent is us waiting. Mm -hmm. So how do we view it in light of that too? In this season, if people are suffering, what does that mean? I know that's different because it's, we're waiting on the Messiah to come back, but thinking about those big points. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's a question, like a, a question of like, what is within my realm of stewardship that allows me to change my circumstances? That would be, you know, uh, obviously if you're like sinfully, you know, what Tamar did was sinful. Yeah. Um, so in order, you know, if you have to sin in order to change your circumstances, that's, I think, clearly a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, it's like, you know, what's what's within my capacity? What's honoring to, you know, what's loving to my neighbor and honoring to God as I seek to make these changes? What is, you know, sinful control versus, um, you know, faithful stewardship is maybe how I'd start to think about it. I don't know if there's a, there's like a clear defining principle. I don't know if you have thoughts, Dave. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I concur, you know, in, in Tamar's brainstorming phase of this plan, <laughs> when the idea comes up, well, maybe I'll dress as a prostitute and like trick him to have sex with me, you know, and that'll do it. That's when she should have been like, no, no, hold on. Let's, mm-hmm. let's yeah. keep Let's keep more ideas coming because yeah. this isn't the the end plan that we should settle on, you know. And so, and in Tamar's defense, by the way, she didn't have the moral compass of God's people. She's a Canaanite. Right. She's yeah. a pagan. Yep. yep. Right. So, I, I don't know that yep. that's really in her defense. It's still sinful before the Maybe Lord. Maybe everybody's but, doing it this way. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But I guess in applying that to our lives, certainly we're not yeah. going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Keep brainstorming. Yeah. Keep <laughs> brainstorming. Keep thinking. Um, there's a better way. I don't know what it is, but, um, but yeah, and I think, like you said, there's, you can't, 
easily describe a line, but there is an element of acting and trusting and waiting all at the same time that has to be reached and and being able to just look to the Lord to to be the one to guide, to be the one to to lead in that situation, to, you know, trust in that the spirit is alive and well in you and is going to give you the wisdom in those situations to know which way to go and how to react and, and what's the next step to take. Um, Maybe the other thing would be um, wise counsel. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, cause the question is, do I act or do I wait at the end? Like does, is the Lord calling me to just wait and be patient and faithful and suffer? Mm-hmm. Or is the Lord calling me to act in an effort to change things? And I think, one of the best things for me would be asking the people that know me well, that are outside of the situation that can maybe look a little bit Mm -hmm. more objectively on things and give me input. You know, I've had times in my life when people have said to me, no, I think you need to, you need to act. And here's some ideas of what that might look like. And there's been times in my life when people have said to me, you probably just need to sit in this and wait and trust the Lord. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because, we see the end of the story like we get to see the hope that comes out of it but i also think it gives me peace as a sinful human of she went through all these crazy things and thought she was going to be burned alive and the trickery and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff and still god redeemed that situation so i don't just the fact that the lord can use my sin and turn it for his good is always a uh, I don't know, peaceful thing at the end for me too. So, not that. So that. we should send more. We should send more. No. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> Paul deals with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What about you guys personally? Let's talk about suffering and waiting and all that stuff. So, what are for you guys? What is a a season maybe that has been um, hard or long, full of suffering that? Have you guys seen the um, the Lord redeem that, or has it been? I have no idea why this happened, and what do you do with it? What have you done with it, with those seasons? Yeah, yeah. You know, in our story, we we had a season of waiting in terms of just wanting to have kids and not being able to, and so that's the one I go, that's my go-to in terms of, you know, when you talk about suffering and waiting on the Lord and that's, that's where we landed. And, you know, it was a long season. And so some of those days were better than others. A lot of it was me wanting to escape that pain, the, the waiting, the hoping, um, me wanting to say like, you know what, I'm not going to hope for that because it hurts less if my hope is in something else. If my hope is in Emily and me just being content with one another and living our lives without kids and taking, you know, riverboat cruises and, and, (laughs) um, riding in the Honda Accord, like that would be great. You know, that, that's a, that's a sweet end result that I can get on board with. And so to protect myself, I'm going to hope for that and not hope for kids, kind of squash the, the hope of those, that, that joy, that satisfaction. But, um, 
Yeah. Other days were, were a lot of just clinging to the Lord, just praying that he would be the one who is able to sustain us during this season and continuing to hope and continuing to lift each other up and point each other towards Christ and, and the way that he satisfies us above all others. And, and it was hard, man. There's a lot of days, I would say the majority of days were, were bad ones. Um, and yet in the end, he did answer our prayers of, of just providing us with kids. And thankfully, like we didn't have to go down any, there weren't sinful routes that we had to go down in order to, to get that goal. And, and thankfully we were on the other end of that and, and yeah, our cup is full for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Has there been anything that like, how does that impact the way you guys wait now? Mm. Has it changed anything like that? Yeah, for sure. Because we can look back now and we can say like, wow, we did that mm. poorly or mm. that was a good season when we did this or that. And so we can identify it doesn't make it easy right. for sure. Um, but definitely having the hindsight of that season has been beneficial and just reminded us how good we do have it mm -hmm. because that seemed to occupy so much of our our capacity of our our mental and emotional capacity was this pain and longing and hoping for something we didn't have and so on the other side of that it feels like i mean i, I we haven't encountered a season similar to that yet mm -hmm. of like we want this just as much as yeah. we did that. And so everything else seems almost like small potatoes mm -hmm. compared to to that season. And so um, in that way, the Lord has really prepared us for hopefully whatever comes next and yeah. and we'll know a little bit better how to, how to deal with that when it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. This, it's, um, I, I love that you say that like, the temptation can be to change your hope mm -hmm. or to like kill your hope. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's a real temptation for a lot of people is to be like, am I, you know, maybe I should just forget about it. Yeah. Um, and maybe there are times that you should maybe, you know, certainly with people that are going through infertility, like at times that's, that's where they end up. Mm -hmm. And I think the Lord blesses that decision at times too. But, mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's a real, real pressure in the midst of suffering. Mm. What about you, Aaron? Um, my, yeah, mine's a little, maybe a little different than Dave because my, the, the biggest season of suffering in my life, um, was prior to becoming a Christian when I was pretty young. Um, my dad died when I was young. I had, um, an abusive stepfather, uh, for a season in life. And, and so suffering through that, you know, for a long time led me away from God, led me to conclude all throughout high school and into college that God didn't even exist, you know, because how could a God blah, 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 you know, allow this kind of suffering, which I think is a pretty natural um, conclusion for a lot of people in the midst of suffering. Um, and yet, you know, now I can look back at that and see the ways that God has redeemed that. I mean, I think that, uh, 
I want to be the, I mean, I want to be a better father than I probably ever would have wanted to be because of the challenges I had with, you know, father figures, um, in my life. I, I, I think that I am, I have more faith in God than I would have had I not gone through that kind of trial. Um, I, I think I, I I think the Lord has uh, built in me a level of resilience, which is kind of what you were talking about, Dave, where it's like, when you go through big suffering, uh, other suffering feels kind of very manageable. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, contextualizes suffering rightly. And, um, and so I, I think that I'm pretty resilient as a result of that, like hard, hard times of life in life haven't felt as hard as maybe they would have otherwise. Um, and I, and I think in the end, the biggest thing is it's caused me to hope, um, in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think hoping in, in Christ's redemption of these things, cause I've seen glimpses of it already in my life. So it allows me to go, okay, I want more of that redemption in my own lives and in the lives of people around me. Um, and, and I really want to look forward to the day when he like wipes it all away and, mm-hmm. and makes all things new. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's good. What are things that you guys did in those seasons that you think would be helpful for people who are currently in the hardest suffering season they've ever had? Oof. Like, are there scriptures that you went back to or, like practices throughout did you have to wake up every day and do abc what did that that look like and i know it's different every day especially if it's a long season of suffering you never know what your emotions are gonna be that day so but overall are there things that you look back on you're like this was really helpful that's a good question for us i think the biggest benefit was that it wasn't we weren't alone. Yeah. That we had each other, especially. Because when you're suffering, when you're in it with someone, there is just that element of the days that I'm weak, the days that I need something, she can provide it mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so I think not suffering alone and sometimes you know you don't have a spouse or you don't have whoever and the importance of finding fellowship and finding other believers who can lift you up and they're not going to do it perfectly and i didn't do it perfectly for emily Mm -hmm. that's for sure but not going through it alone is such a sweet comfort and so important i think for anything and so letting people into it Mm -hmm was huge for us and and just having the body around us we have been a part of this church for so long and have so many relationships that we knew we had support when we needed it and again like some of it wasn't great some of it wasn't helpful and that's okay because people aren't going to do it perfectly we didn't do it perfectly and and yet there is so much we felt so much love and um yeah, support during that season because of it. Yeah. Suffering is isolating. Oh yeah. Um and I think it's it's often not initially, right? When you certainly especially if there's some kind of tragedy 
in your life. I think people, mm-hmm. if you're in the body, often mm-hmm. will surround you and care for you and yeah. and cry with you and those kinds of things. But the way that you experience suffering often lasts far longer than the people who are with you are are maybe have the capacity to empathize yeah. over the course of the long haul that can be and and that can start to feel like oh, I'm I'm still hurting and yet everybody else has kind of moved on in their life which is very normal and you can't blame them for that but um yeah suffering can be really isolating that's a really helpful helpful thought I I don't I don't know that I have a whole lot uh from maybe the biggest season of suffering in my life because I wasn't in the Lord I mean certainly a lot of mistakes I was also pretty young um I I think these are the times when it's like seeking nearness to Christ is um, most vital, you know? I think searching the scriptures and being in prayer and um, finding the kind of the most helpful promises of of God, um, reading the Psalms and kind of, that's one way I think you experience the community of, of the suffering of God's people over the, like throughout the ages, because mm-hmm. so much of the Psalms are full of, kind of lament and pain and and uh, complaint to God for either the sin of the hearts of the psalmist or the the brokenness of the world around us and so uh, yeah digging into the word digging into community yeah yeah it's good it's so easy to grow weary in that mm-hmm. even prayer of just like I've prayed the mm-hmm. same prayer over and over again and even with community it's hard because it just you don't want that to be your story anymore. Like you don't yeah. want every time you get together with friends, them asking you like, Oh, so how's this going? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want that to be your story. You don't want to talk about it anymore. Sometimes, sometimes you just desperately need to talk about yeah. it and you need to hear those things. And, and yet even like, even those, those laments, once you've read them a hundred times, it's like, man, I am tired of mm. this being my story. And yet my biggest encouragement is just to stay in that, stay in the fight, stay in the hope and, and just continue to rely on God, rely on, on, on him to be the one that, that, uh, that comforts you in the midst of it. Because the minute you try to escape you miss out on all the the spiritual yeah. growth that yeah. that is there for the taking and so yeah it's good however you hannah i mean we kind of you you conveniently moved over to the next question without <laughs> you know, you, to and you don't have to share anything if you don't want to but i, I don't yeah. know if there's whether or not you share your story like are there things that you've learned in seasons of suffering in your life yeah i mean i think the most uh recent one is our miscarriage in february i think my growing up life been in church my whole life i always said my testimony is one of grace in that i didn't really have anything crazy hard happen um and i think the miscarriage was the first time that i felt angry at the lord mm. and had to process what is this and what do i do with it because i'd never experienced that feeling before um and so that that was probably the biggest and and it was like not a i mean still processing a little bit but not a 10 year long don't know what to do with this but it still was very much so a i don't understand why this happened and i don't think i will ever get an answer of why the lord took this baby from me um 
and I don't see the good in it. You know, I'm like, I, I can't, it kind of yeah. like Tamar in the sense that I'm like, I may never know why this happened and I have to be okay with that. But I think the the biggest thing I learned, I have always really valued community. And so I, that's where I go first is I'm like, help me fix this. Help me feel better. What do I do? Give me next steps. And I couldn't do that. Yeah. I'm like, I, I tried really hard to tell people who have gone through the same thing, like, help me like process this grief and they can't like every situation is so different so it was the first time that i had to maybe not the first time but practically nobody else was gonna help or heal my situation besides the lord so i really had to rest in him and find peace in him and that's like a foundational thing that i'm like i know only the lord brings true peace but that was the first time really that i was like there's nowhere else I can go. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't search for this anywhere else except for in the Lord. And I think that was really good for me to to learn and experience and I mean, me and Matt did it together, but also our grief was very different and so mm-hmm. learning how to do that uh together but also on our own and how does that change our relationship with the Lord? How do we view him differently because mm-hmm. of that situation? So good but hard. So yeah. Mindy G always says, how do we hold both mm. good and hard? <laughs> so, okay, how do we tie this all back into Advent really quickly? How do we, are there things that you guys are doing in this Advent season of waiting and expecting for Jesus to be born and all of those things that you feel like have been helpful for your own relationship with the Lord? How are you resting? Yeah, I, I love Advent. Um Part of it is I love presents. I love giving presents. I love getting presents. I I think that that I know it can be like consumeristic, and I know it can feel gross to people, and it does to me at times too. But I just I love talking to our kids about it and being like, this is this is one of the ways that we reflect on the great gift that's been given to us in in Jesus. And I I just and so I still wake up on Christmas morning pumped up, amazing, like a kid, <laughs> uh, and and so. When I, the reason I love Advent is because it, it pushes that, that anticipation back into the year, like mm-hmm. further back into the year, uh, that really forces me to kind of think about eagerly expecting, you know, eagerly hoping in something to come. Um, and, uh, and so like for, for me during Advent, I mean, I think I wake up most mornings thinking about, um, the, the hope of Christ's return. Um, I mean, one of the things I, I regularly kind of think through and pray during Advent is just like, how great is it going to be when Christ returns and fulfills all his promises and there's f- like full and permanent rest in him. Um, and so th- that's not really a habit apart from just kind of thoughts yeah. um, that, that help me to worship the Lord. But seeing the way that that god has fulfilled and then you know just like reading the scriptures i guess as well like seeing the way that god has fulfilled his promises to people like tamar mm-hmm. um helps me to hope in his his return and yeah. his coming again and um we have so much more than like abraham had abraham had a promise and he had to look forward in hope we have the fulfillment of a promise and another promise of of a final culmination and so it it ought to be 
we've got more data to support our hope. And I think that that's, that's helpful too. Mm. Yeah. Dave? Christmas, man. When you're a kid, <clears throat> Christmas is like, it's huge. It's, it's, huge. it's the big thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so fun as an adult to see that. And you think, well, it makes sense when you really think about it, because when you're a kid, you get off of school a couple weeks ahead of Christmas and you have nothing else to think about except Christmas. All is the gifts you're going to get. And I'm going to get, mm -hmm. hopefully get, you know, yeah. this or that or the other thing. And, and so it makes sense that when the time comes, they've been anticipating this day in and day out for a, a while. And here it is. Mm -hmm. And it's this explosion of joy. And I look at that, I'm like, man, I want that back. I want that feeling back <laughs> of like, those were the days when I could just like get pumped for that thing. And yet so much is working against us. Like I have to keep working up until like the day before Christmas. And I'm, my day is filled with other things with this, that or the other thing. I, and I, even if that wasn't the case, I would fill my day with other things, you know, whether it's fantasy football <laughs> podcasts and things of that nature, uh, social media. I'm not on that, but, but at the same time, the world is just like spitting all this stuff into our brain to try to distract us from whatever it is would bring us more joy and more hope during this season. And so I'm like, man, if I could just eliminate as much as I possibly could so that I can really just focus and sit in the promises that Jesus fulfilled and will fulfill, that would just make this Advent season so much more exciting and, and fill me with that, I don't know, that, that childlike enthusiasm for this holiday and, and ultimately, you know, for the hope to come. Yeah. But yeah, man, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to eliminate stuff. I'm trying to read, you know, we got that devotional we're reading that Advent devotional, which is a sweet way to, to do it. But it's gotta be more than just like, just a couple minutes in the morning. It's gotta be a, a lifestyle choice of, I'm going to really sit in this and think about the hope that, that Jesus gives. Yeah, mm. it's good. You I like any? I, I'm kind of a, the same as you, Dave. Like I feel like I don't have, I have the devotional, but I'm trying really hard this year to make it all throughout my day. Yeah. And some days are better than others. Mm -hmm. sure. And I, some days I'm like, man, this is great. I feel way closer to the Lord today. And other days I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I didn't think about Advent once. Yeah. So, yeah. but also I feel like having, I've tried to also not fill the calendar this year. Yeah. The last couple of years I've been like, what Christmas parties can we have? What fun foods can I bake? How do I get in the Christmas spirit? <laughs> How do I decorate my house? And I've tried to like fill everything, fill the calendar. Um, but I've tried to not do that. I have like a couple of things on the calendar that I'm like, okay, these will be really fun, but also learning to rest yeah, and yeah. and figuring out, okay, it's okay to be at home and I can sit on the couch and read a book and not have to plan this Christmas party where everybody comes over and mm -hmm. has a fun festive time, you know? Yeah. So I feel like little things like that I'm trying to be more aware of. Well, yeah. And I, here's a little life hack is that you just convince your spouse to take that burden on them. 
you know, they do all the work. They plan the parties. And you just sit. <laughs> Love that. And just like draw near. You know? <laughs> you know, they're they're on their own. Like that's their problem. Yeah. Okay. Does Emily so like Matt, that idea? Well, no. Like that's it. It's a pretty stressful season for her. <laughs> It's yeah. hard, but man, I am like, yeah, I'm You're like thriving. Time, it's, yeah. it's beautiful, <laughs> man. And so, the, really, the Mary of the situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's Mary and Martha. Martha. And Martha. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> get busy, Martha. She doesn't appreciate it when I say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would um, assume. I would think so, she wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, any resources that you guys want to provide for hope or waiting or Advent that you think would be helpful? We have some in the the bookstore, right? Uh, yeah. That people can grab? Yeah. There's some Advent devotionals in the bookstore. Mm -hmm. Um, a book that comes to mind that would be, I haven't actually read it. So, but I've, I've, I know people that have read it that I trust is, um, walking with God through pain and suffering by Tim Keller, mm -hmm. I think has been a, a helpful kind of way. Maybe not so much in, if you're in the midst of suffering, I think it can be helpful, but it might feel a little bit too, yeah uh acad academic for that kind of season but um but maybe not depend depends on how you're wired but i think i know that's that book has been a blessing to a lot of people but yeah advent devotionals in the bookstore yeah. those are the ones that come to mind yeah we had that book i think it's in the bookstore the lament book dark clouds deep mercy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh on the way into the church okay. bookstore yeah it should be that's been helpful and, and i will say this too it's it, it wasn't just helpful for going through that season yourself but also how to come around people who mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. i thought it was really helpful in that sense too and and that is like hope and lament i feel like are are tied together yeah because like even if you're not going through a season of suffering like we all are as humans waiting for this this final hope of christ's return and and making all things new and we look around and we see just the brokenness of this world and and so like it's a sweet season advent of of hope and yet realizing like man we're still in it we are mm -hmm. still in the midst of it there's still hard stuff going on um so yeah that's that, that was a good book for us i felt like um and then you know i'm a big fan of the newest grinch movie okay that's a great resource mm -hmm. um the, the cartoon version not jim carrey no mm -hmm. it's too long this is an advent like a Jesus. Yeah, yeah, well, it's preparing your heart for Christmas, you know. <laughs> so yeah. no. Well, I, like Jesus isn't in it, but <laughs> but it's it's really good. Okay. You know. I guess I there's there, there the Star movie was also really good. Okay. That has more Jesus in it because yeah. he's actually in it. He's yeah. actually. Well, yeah. Yeah, he makes kind of a cameo at the end. Okay. Um, <laughs> more about the donkey than anything mm -hmm. else. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> Neil, do you have any good no. movies? Uh no hannah for everyone who doesn't know hannah like we do um she's kind of a, a grinch when it comes to christmas Only which christmas music dave yeah well that's a big part of christmas <laughs> and she doesn't like christmas music and so i'm coming around to it yeah we're praying for her yeah yeah, yeah. definitely everybody can put me on their prayer list mm -hmm. yeah it's great thank you so much both of you yeah thanks hannah. for joining us and talking about all things advent and uh tamar Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Descend Podcast. Be sure to check back in a couple weeks for a new episode. Have a great week.